Hello and welcome to the Swift the SBS podcast. Restrictions across the country have made life a little harder for most. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore, like the new Japan-inspired Mercury Islands, my personal favourite, and the UCI World Championship courses. Riding with friends makes the training easier, and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com, and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast, like every day, on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, also, like every day, is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just having a little giggle to myself. I'm what, just, why is that? I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's at the moment, the times we're in, it's laugh or cry. So I'm choosing to laugh. So, Couch Peloton, laugh with me, please. Yeah. Let's have a good laugh, shall we? <laughs> Let's have a good show. It's a crazy world. <laughs> and joining us today is Gracie Elvin. How are you? Gracie, all the way from Canberra. Buenas tardes again, boys. It's great to be back. Um, I've just had my first jab and I'm, I'm putting my excuse for not doing Zwift today. I was going to do the baseline ride, but, you know, I'm doing the Greg Van Avermaet excuse. I feel like it would have affected my performance. So, I'm going to wait until tomorrow. <laughs> Soft, any, soft, uh, but any, well done getting the jab. <laughs> we, we take any excuses. Great, you got the jab. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, a good one. Uh, okay, let's look at the stage that we had uh, yesterday. Yes. Uh, and you are going to take us through some of the highlights of this stage. <laughs> it's It was fast. Primoz Roglic in the red jersey. I think he almost is 50 days now in a leader's jersey. This was the breakaway. Quinn Simmons, the American, he went on the attack from the breakaway. Back in the peloton, the chase began in earnest. And look, it was DSM and bike exchange. They were one last hurrah, maybe, for Michael Matthews. During that chase, there was a nasty crash. And wouldn't you believe it? This is terrible news. Yeah. Louis Menkes, the South African, he was holding a top 10 position, crashed out. That team did not need this. They, they oh. were such a good team, uh, a teamwork all, yeah. all across the Vuelta, this, uh, this, this, this edition. Yeah, they did. And look, they still go home with success. But this one here, this was another incident. He didn't actually crash, but he's a getter. I think it was Yoni's a getter. He hit a soigneur, like head on, knocked the soigneur over. You can see him there, it knocked the wind out of him. He did get going. He got to the finish okay. This was the breakaway, reformed. The chase behind was frantic. Roman Bardet was on the front, absolutely giving it everything. It was to no avail because in the end, Magnus caught Nielsen for EF Nippo. Third stage win for him. Oliveira in second place and in third place was Quinn Simmons. Yeah. First podium uh, for him on a stage of a Grand Tour. But Magnus caught Nielsen. You know? oh. It's, the guy's a genius. And this Vuelta has really, I'm not going to say it's been a revelation mm. uh, for him uh, or us to him, but we knew him before. But uh, this has just been a grand tour for him. Yeah. And Gracie, I think, we, we, you know, we're talking up one for the three stage wins, but there's not too many riders in the world that can win, like male or female, is there? Probably, there's possibly more in the, in female cycling, women's cycling, um, that can win on any sort of terrain. I completely agree. I was thinking that today I was trying to rack my brains for the kind of rider that can win on such varied terrain. Um, and I would have to say Mariana Voss 
is like one of the goats and I can't think of that many other people that could win a bunch sprint, a time trial, like performance, mountain stages, um, breakaways, just that tactically astute kind of riding as well as just physically amazing. So it was really impressive to watch that stage last night. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're spot on. Voss was the one I yeah. was thinking who I'd and, – and, you know, Voss is better, taking nothing away from <laughs> Court Nielsen. She's won world championships. Mm -hmm. You know, she's done a lot. Let's unpack a little bit that this point because we talk a lot about Magnus Court Nielsen, but his teammate, Lanson Craddock, has done an amazing job protecting him, leading him into this pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teamwork. Hey, Gracie, it's um, – you can't we, – we talk about people say you're on the side, you know – Fans say it's not really a team sport, you know, the individual gets the glory and how much does a team help? But Lawson Craddock, he proved how how important he was in that, especially that last, well, for the whole stage, in fact, but really the last sort of 20, 30 kilometres. Massively. I, I think a lot of us were surprised that the bunch never caught that break. I think, you know, it's been a tour of the breakaways, but, you know, they didn't actually have a lot at the end there. And it was likely that the bunch was bringing it back. And now we're just going full gas, especially bike exchange. They wanted that result and they still couldn't catch back. And that was largely credit due to Lawson Credit. He did an amazing job for Magnus. And he was given that credit in the post-race interviews, which was really nice. Yeah, let's listen to uh, Lawson Craddock. And congrats. Thank you. Well, Lawson, there is a, yes, there's only one winner today, but he hold you a lot, I think, because uh, you did an, ama an amazing job as a team. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, we had definitely knew Magnus could, could get a good result today, and uh, clearly uh, we, were, we were right at that assumption. But, yeah, it was extremely difficult to, to pull it off. Uh, it was a strong breakaway, and, uh, you know, for the first half of the race, wasn't much collaboration anyways, and... We knew we had to get the right combination of guys uh, um, <clears throat> off the front for us to even have a chance. And fortunately, after the Unimian sprint, we, we did have the good combination of guys. So pretty special. There was a, a couple moments we weren't quite sure we believed we could make it. But uh, <laughs> I mean, anything's possible, you can tell in the, the third week. Yeah, you speak of the good combination. And I guess having Magnus Scott with such a big cross in his back was not easy to bring him uh, at the front like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when people saw this stage, they they thought of Magnus. Um, uh, yeah, of course he can uh, win another stage here. And uh, but you know he's a he's a great racer, and not only is he uh, strong and fast, but he's incredibly intelligent too. And I, I think that's what helped us uh, make it to the line. Can you just tell, tell us about the final? There was some sort of a plan, or it was just full full gas and uh, let Magnus do for the for the rest. Yeah, we knew in this sprint he's the fastest, absolutely. And. Uh, the only goal we had was to make it to the, the finish in front of the bunch. And yeah, we did it. So <laughs> congratulations again. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, that was a Lawson credit. Okay, Gracie, how important that deep in a Grand Tour, the, the, the team spirit, how is that important? And how much of this helped yesterday, the, the win for EF Nippo? Yeah, super important. We can see everything matters at the end of three weeks of racing. People are getting tired, crashes are happening. It's hard to get those results. We're seeing teams crack, such as bike exchange, unfortunately, not trying to, you know, not able to get Matthews up for the win. Um, but I guess teams that are on a roll, uh, such as EF and Intermarche and, and the, the bigger teams, Jumbo Visma and uh, De Koenig Quickstep, they're able to keep that morale going and it, it's the momentum that makes the difference. You know, all of these guys are at a 
a, more or less a similar physical level and they've prepared for a three-week stage race. So it's the mentality that um, forms a big part of that equation. And Maka, you would have known that racing a three-week stage race. Um, you've prepared so well. Um, you're really tired, obviously. Everyone's really tired, but, you know, it's the mental game at the end um, yeah, that yeah. keeps you in there. Yeah, you're spot on, Gracie. It's uh, it's funny, isn't it? We so much science, and you're you've come from the era. You've just retired, so you're you've seen that change in the era into real science based training and and all this and these these young pros that we see now coming through, and they're coming through on science based, not so much psychological evaluation. Mm-hmm. I guess they sort of probably are, but you cannot discount that mental aspect that you just talk about in that third week it's to me you can't measure it either can you grace if you had to put a percentage on how do we make up a a pro cyclist okay 50 percent physical 50 percent mental or whatever you can't put a percentage on the mental aspect i think of an athlete no you're completely right and that was something i've always loved about cycling i certainly wasn't the most talented bike rider physically but i just loved the combination of all the skills and aptitudes you had to have and it's really cool watching bike racing as well because there's so many talented riders out there but it's the ones that get that mental aspect right the tactical aspect right and in a breakaway situation like situation like that when you have two guys from the same team the pressure is more on you to get that result so for magnus to still you know, not let that pressure get to him to think about how he wanted to sprint and when and still win. It wasn't like he was daylights ahead of those guys. He still had to figure out how to win in that group. So credit to them that they managed to get it all right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we listen uh, to uh, Magnus Court Nielsen, uh, there was also Quinn Simmons in this. Yeah. He actually was e- the initiator of the first break. Uh, let's listen from him and then we'll come back to, to discuss about his role in this. Well, uh, Quinn, uh, tell us uh, t- about the day. How, how did you manage it? It was a tough breakaway to, to get in and you did really well. Yeah, was, we went flat out all day. We never, we never got too much done or too much of a gap, but... Yeah, in the end, once we got rid of the guys who were playing games, we had seven, seven really strong guys who were willing to work. And at the end, it came down to the best sprinter winning. And unfortunately, that wasn't me. How did you plan our sprint, knowing that there is Magnus Court? I wanted to go early because I know I can't match his speed. So I was hoping I could beat him in the drag. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, uh, Quinn Simmons, a man, a, a few words, but can we say he's part of the resurgence of American cycling? Yeah, I hope so. I, I, yeah, he is. And the second part, if it's happening, yeah. Um, 20 years old, Gracie. He, to me, he even sort of speaks. He's got a pretty deep voice. He's a pretty solid guy, but 20 years of age. I thought he was brilliant last night. And he's right. He was beaten by a better bike rider. We know that in Court Nielsen. But... It's not the first time he's been active at the front, Quinn Simmons. I think he's a he's he's going to have a successful career, this young guy. I agree that it's nice to see young riders coming through from any country and certainly the Americans need that resurgence. They've really lost their road cycling um, base of races in their home country. So the European results are even more important to them nowadays to keep getting, you know, those younger riders excited. Um, I can't help but not want to back him because I'm still a bit, you know, um, upset by his controversial tweets. It was more than a year ago now and how the team handled it. I, uh, I don't think there's any place for that in cycling, but I hope that he's able to learn from his mistakes. And I think that the team 
you know, can see something in him that they want to keep backing. And he, I guess, stepped up with this stage result. So, yeah, hopefully more to come and a bit more maturity as well for him. Yeah. No, it's a good point. We don't want to e-bash him, yep. but he did. He took some time out. The team, and I, I, I don't know exactly what he said. I can't remember it, but you, you've just alerted me, yep. my memory to it. But he did take some time out. So he's had a bit of a rough six to 12 months. So it is good to see him back in the pro peloton and looks like he's found his feet. Did he go away and grow a beard, do you think? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go sm- there. Smashed a few avocados and stuff. Probably. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm trying to lighten the mood here. You know, we say we're going to have a laugh. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. I okay, think a three-week we- stage... Oh, sorry. I think yeah. a three-week stage will humble anyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Let's listen from the winner from last night, Magnus Court Nielsen. Three stage wins. It's exceptional. <laughs> Yeah, it truly is. Uh, it's amazing. It's 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 a dream now, and uh, I really hope that I don't wake up <laughs> with uh, 10 kilometers to go when the, the gap was under 20 seconds. Did you believe? No, I mean, uh, it was not before the last five or six kilometers. I think uh, that I started believing. Actually, uh, they always kept us us close and. Uh, it was a really hard day. We, we didn't always work perfect together in the front and uh, we had a few attacks and reduced the, the size of the group and in the end I think everybody had, had tired legs and it was hard to work really well together in, in this hilly uh, hilly terrain but uh, somehow we, we managed to, to hang on to it and I uh, have to thank my uh, teammate Hassan uh, Kradak for doing a very very amazing job and uh, I could not have, have done this victory without a uh, having him, him with me in, in the breakaway uh, today. Which one of the three stage wins uh, do you prefer? Uh, I think that the first one was the most uh, spectacular one. Uh, that was uh, amazing to, to win on top of, uh, of a small, uh, yeah, I will call it mountain. I come from Denmark, so, so we don't have fields that big. <laughs> so it was almost a small mountain for me, but uh, that was uh, a, a, a really special uh, victory. But uh, now having three in, in the same uh, in the same race that's that's unbelievable. Well done, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, well done. I think we can uh, say well done to the whole team of EF uh, Nippo. Yeah, and uh, so he, he, he that is now his fifth Vuelta stage win. Yep. He's won a stage of the tour, so six Grand Tour stages, and he's signed up Gracie until the end of 2023 with uh, EF. There's two sides you can look at that. One, would he be happy that he's signed <laughs> because he's potentially just added a couple of zeros to his contract or maybe not because he's pre-signed? And two, I reckon EF would be happy that they've signed him. Definitely that team has really um, bagged a winner there. Um, I'd say he had some really good bonuses written into his contract, so he's probably not going to lose out too much overall. But, you know, some of those bigger teams like Ineos have um, unlimited budget, so you'll always be scratching your head wondering. But he seems really happy in that team, and I think that goes a long way. Yeah, it's true, and it's it's pretty amazing because he, he – I can't think where he was before. Gracie, you might be able to actually tell me this, but he was green edge – was he Astana pre-Green Edge or then Astana and then EF? Where was he before that? Good question. I'm pretty sure it was Astana, then Green Edge, and then EF. 
but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he started his pro career, then maybe at Astana. Can, yeah. can you actually, maybe a stupid question from an outsider, but can you renegotiate your contract after this? Can he go back and say, you know what, what we've written up that was pre what I've just did, we need to rediscuss? Well, this is an interesting this is interesting because so it's not a stupid question. No, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's sort of stupid, but anyway. No, no, it's not at all. Um, Gracie, I don't know if you remember this. When Brad Wiggins, I think he was third at the Tour de France, and he'd, re he'd already re-signed for Garmin, which is the team of EF now, same management. He was on, apparently he was on 300,000 euros, let's say. Uh, the team said, tore up the contract and said, you've just finished third in the Tour. We think you can win the Tour one day. Here's a million dollars. Team Sky started and said, listen, he's coming with us no matter what. How much will it cost? And EF said, no, he's not. Or Garmin said, no, he's not. Uh, Jonathan Vorders and Sky said, uh-uh, he's coming with us. He's $3 million. So they paid out his contract and I believe they paid him $3 million a year. So it can happen, can't it? Wow, all I can say is, wow, that makes me feel a bit sick. But um, good on him. Um, I think, yes, definitely <laughs> can happen. I have a story that can back this up. I was on $9,000 in 2013 and they upped me to $12,000. So it can happen in the mid-season for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's, I think let's not go on oh, let's, because yeah. it's, <laughs> that is crazy. Don't it's worry, crazy I, it was a lot better after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, terrible. <laughs> uh, I, I got no comeback. I got no I, comeback. I'm not, I, I don't even have a joke for this. No, so. no, no. Well, we shouldn't joke. It's no, it's, it's crazy, terrible. isn't it? It's it is terrible overall. No, if it makes you feel any better, and I know this is going way, way back. My first two seasons as a professional, I wasn't paid. <laughs> you know what my payment was? The bike. The I got bike. to keep the bike. I'm serious. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about the leader of this race. Primoz, uh, Primoz Roglic is still in red. And listen to this interview because there's some interesting facts. Not that Roglic necessarily cares about it, but let's listen to this. You look uh, very happy to have your family with you on stage today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's uh, yeah. just beautiful uh, to see it. Uh, uh, yeah, they are my life and uh, yeah, I'm uh, super happy about it. Take us through uh, today's stage. Um, how did you look at what was happening? The, the attacks, the breakaway, the bunch that was maybe coming back, maybe not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was just hard day, huh? like uh, from the start till the finish. Uh, it was really uh, nothing, uh, nothing in between. Huh? Like uh, yeah, first the super strong break went away, and uh, yeah, for uh, for us it was fine. Huh? Uh, probably we could uh, take it easy, but yeah, on the other hand, somehow you can understand. Yeah, it's uh, the world is going to an end, so yes, uh, their opportunities uh, are not much left anymore. So yeah, the guys uh, of uh, the sprinter teams tried to pull it and it was just yeah super hard tempo all day you started taking the leader jersey uh, in the Giro d'Italia in 2019 and today it's the 50th leader jersey you get Chris, Chris Froome has 51 you have a record to beat tomorrow wow uh, yeah it's crazy huh? so uh, yeah uh, hopefully I can uh, uh, keep it, uh, is, uh, yeah, uh, I never, uh, how to say it, I'm never uh, good with statistics and these things, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, still uh, always uh, positive, surprised about it, so uh, yeah, uh, crazy. Voilà. Thank you. 
There we go. 50, 50 leaders jersey. Do you reckon he should give, Do you reckon he should give one of his reds to Odd Christian Iking so then he yeah. can give, he's got <laughs> he doesn't have to go and buy one. For no, but let, let, let's let's reflect on this. Chris Froome's got fifty-one leaders jersey mm. on his whole career. Roglic got fifty. I think that's huge. Wow. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. That's the mo- that was the most animated he was, Gracie uh, Roglic, in that interview. Well, the funny part is he was trying to give away his red jersey for a lot of this tour, so he could have had it even longer. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. He possibly, yeah, he, he could have smashed uh, Froome's record. Yeah. Well, he's going to. He, but he, he's going if he to wins now, this Vuelta, he? he will. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, having said this, let's go back to the, the performance. Okay, he says there's something a constant he says every day. It's been a hard day. Okay, Let, let's face it and let's unpack this. How hard it is, or how hard is it for someone like Roglic? Yeah. Gracie, you're way more recent than me, but all I'll say is the average speeds of this year's Vuelta, and compared to the other two Grand Tours this year and other years, I don't think I've commentated and I don't think I've watched a quicker Grand Tour stage by stage, I don't know, forever or for a long, long time. What's your take on it? I feel so sorry for anyone trying to make it into those early breakaways. And even in the bunch, you'd just be on the limit just because... You have to just hold the wheel. It's just, it looks so hard to get that, that move going and those average speeds are so high. And even some of these mountainous days, the average speed is 40 or so kilometres an hour, which is really a lot. It's very fast. Um, I think just the level of cycling improves every year. And I actually think that COVID might have a lot to do with it. Um, you know, the, there's been a lot of stress, a lot of disruption, but there's also been a lot less illnesses. People are getting less colds and flus because there's better hygiene practices. So there's just a lot more consistency as well, which I'm finding really interesting. And I feel like that could be a factor in why the level is, you know, accelerating. Yeah, and but but also, and, and tell me otherwise, but Roglic, you know, he's saying, whoa, hard day yesterday, oh, hard day. <laughs> This is the guy that's leading the race, yeah. but he's not just being respectful, is he? He's actually, he's being honest. It's it's still hard for him, isn't it? For sure. He's not, um, you know, flogging everyone. He's not just walking away with the red jersey. It's been a good battle between all of them. He's got a minute and a half or so on the, everyone else, but it's not a lot really in three weeks of racing. So the, it, they're all quite well matched in this top 10 and it, it's made for a really exciting race. And the breakaways have made for a really exciting race too. So I think, sure, he's winning it on these mountain stages, but every day is hard because the breakaway wants to win every day too and the bunch has to figure out how they want to control that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's have a look at the, the ranking for uh, this race so far. So we just saw it. Primoz Roglic is in red. Uh, he's got 2 minutes 30 on Enring Bass and 2.53 on Miguel Angel Lopez. Jack Haig is fourth at 4 minutes 36 and Egan Bernal is fifth at 4 minutes 43. Uh, where can we see this change or can we see this change and how could this change in the next couple of days? Yeah. Uh, Look, tonight's stage is actually super tough. Yeah, it's. I tell you what, Gracie, I reckon it's cruel. Two hundred. We'll go. Well, we'll go yeah. into it, so I won't go too much into it. But the TT is going to be crucial, and for Jack Haig, he he's got Bernal breathing down his neck, and I just can't help but think. I think he's. Um, I think Lopez is out of reach, 
you know, Lopez actually did a pretty good opening stage time trial. So I'm just not sure he can catch Lopez. I think the best Jack can hope for now is to hold his position. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think? Unfortunately, I don't think Jack has got a great time trial in him, but I really want to be surprised by that. I'm sure he has put a lot of work into it because it's a weakness for him. Um, those two Movistar guys, Mas and Lopez, are slightly better time trialists than him. And it, like you say, it's going to be hard to make that time up on them. And you also have Bernal and Yates, who are better time trialers probably out of that group. So it's going to be difficult for Jack even to stay in fourth, maybe. So I really hope that he can hang in there for fourth or fifth. But um, I think he might be running out of chances now to make it onto the podium, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, with and they are. Look, I mean, Lopez with his stage when he's got a bit of a spring in his step. And look, the other, just the other notable one from that or two, in fact, uh, Guillaume Martin, he yes. holds his top 10. This is brilliant. Uh, top 10 at the Tour de France. And, you know, only the four-week gap. So it's not like he's done the Giro of Vuelta. Mm-hmm. He's done the Tour of Vuelta. And David De La Cruz. Yes. I thought he was brilliant on the stage that Lopez won. He didn't win the stage, but I just thought he rode beyond, above himself. And he goes into the top 10 because Louis Menchies falls uh, out. After the accident. Yeah, it's not the way he'd like to do it, but he, no. he is now in the top 10. Absolutely. Let's have a look at the, the jerseys and uh, we see, of course, uh, uh, Primoz Roglic, sorry, is in red. Uh, Jakobsen is in green. Uh, Michael Storr is in the polka dot and Bernal is in the white young uh, rider, sorry, jersey. Uh, two questions here. Tough one for Jakobsen to keep on the green. Uh, what will he need to do to keep this green tonight? Because he said the stage will be. But before we talk about Jakobsen, let's talk about Michael Storer and the battle for Paul Cadot. Well, no, yeah. let's, let's bring the stage today. Because yeah, like, because it's all relevant yeah. to the stage. So when you look at to... a stage like this, yeah. okay, uh, let's talk about Michael Storer and the, the, Bardet, uh, yeah. the Bardet battle here. So, okay, so 3,450 metres overall climbing. Gracie, the... All the categorised climbs come in the last 100 kilometres. Finishes on a cat too. How brutal is that by the organisers for the penultimate stage? It's a very nasty stage. They're calling it a classic styled stage, but it's a mountain stage without it being a, a horse category, you know, stage. So everyone's on their hands and knees already. This is just going to send everyone, you know, to bed as soon as they get back to their hotel rooms. This is going to be a real blowout at the end of the tour. Not to mention it's cruel to finish on a time trial in a grand, grand tour. I have to say that too. So these last two days are brutal for everyone, but it's certainly yeah. that last chance at getting KOM points and a breakaway stage win for sure. So I'm really excited to see this battle between yeah. Store and Bard A, even though they're on the same team. Yeah, and uh, look, Christoph. Every now and then, he's been, well. He's been waking up in cold sweats um, <laughs> this Vuelta because it finishes with a TT. And as we know, the '89 Tour de France finished in in Paris with a TT. And I've got less vested interest. In and, <laughs> and the Fignon, you know, the Parisian. Anyway, no. you know, um, there's actually sorry. There's a very funny Instagram post or tweet from Romain Bardet where there's a picture of him climbing in a mountain and the label is in French, but he says something like, there's a guy next to him with thongs and, it, and it, the, the label is saying, you know you're struggling when the guy in the thongs is going faster than you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, but, do they, will there be a battle between Bardet and Stora? And when, when we say that, we, we know not really, but it all comes down to, I think, who makes the breakaway, yeah. correct? 
definitely. That's that's the real battle of the day. And while the categori categorized climbs are in the second half of the race, it's a very lumpy start. So it's a perfect way for a breakaway to get up the road early. Um, so you're completely right. Um, it's really going to be, is Stora going to make it in the break or is Bardet, or are they going to both be in the break like they have been in the past? Um, really, uh, Christoph, I want you to tell me who looks best in the polka dot jersey. I was going to say, uh, for style, Arik and Bardet, just because of hair. Uh, but, but I would love Stora to actually bring it home. And, and bring it back uh, to Australia because uh, is it Michael Clark that it? Uh, uh, Simon Clark. Simon Michael's, Michael his Clark. Uh, Michael's his dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep saying this. Actually. No, Simon I know, Clark. I know. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's quite funny that you've <laughs> never met his dad, have no, you? I know. no. Yeah. <laughs> but Simon Clark brought the Porcello jersey. Uh, he did from almost the ten years ago. So that yeah. would be nice. Uh, but I reckon Stora has got a better track record in going in breakaways in this Vuelta. So, well, here's a question for both of you. Here's a question for both of you. And I saw this on, on social media. I don't know if I buy into it. I'll get both of your takes on it. Stora's leaving. Yeah. He's leaving at the end of the year. This is just about his last race with the team. Bardet is signed on. It's just He's just the new man on the block. Do the team care who wins the polka dot, Gracie? Or do, do they actually, would they prefer Bardet because he's, he's staying there? It becomes really political when you put it like that. Um, in Stora's post-race interview recently, he said it didn't. He he didn't care as long as the team took it home. So you wonder if like that's a genuine comment or not. But from the team perspective, I don't know. Maybe they don't really care either. They seem really proud to have Michael Stora um, getting these big results, even though he's leaving. They it seems like it's all on good terms. So yeah, I. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's probably a bit of people in Camp A and Camp B in that team. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. Rec I reckon they don't care because they've done it before with Michael Matthews and uh, Roman Barguil. Yeah. They left the team with the green jersey and the polka jersey at the Tour de France and they were very proud of it. And so I reckon there's a culture of, of that in the team. Well, also, yeah, which is a good culture to have. And also, let's be honest, when, when you think about it, when a team then goes to their sponsors at the end of the year, Doesn't they matter. say... We won five, we won, you know, 15 bike races. We won three overall jerseys. And yes, they might put the riders beside those, but it's all about what are the results yeah. of the actual team, and, not and you of could, the individuals. You could argue that uh, if Stora goes to FDJ and does nothing, then they can be proud of saying, well, he did something with us. You well, know? They've, so, done that a, they've done that a little bit, haven't yeah, they? Uh, yeah. As in, I say that as exactly. a compliment. Exactly, their, yeah. their riders have had huge success. So that is the stage tonight. That is what is at, pl at play tonight. Uh, and there's, of course, like I mentioned as well, the green jersey. Will he survive? Yes, he will survive. Uh, but that's going to be a tough one for him. Uh, it's will he survive? Thing. Gracie, will he survive? Uh, he'll have his teammates around him, but he's got a battle on his hand to get through this, hasn't he, Jakobsen? Yeah, it really does. But we've seen um, this particular team pull Cav through the tour. So they're more than capable of it. They have a yeah. great um, team vibe, as we know. So I think they'll be doing everything. They'll have most of their guys with him. Absolutely. Well, it's 30 minutes we're in this pod. Let's take a break and let's hand the mic to Belinda. She's been checking out. Oh, on, she's, oh she's, yeah, okay. she's, she's been in. checking in and checking out the feelings around this Vuelta. Well, we're at the pointy end of the welter and it's been an emotional roller coaster. So I thought it was time for a feelings check. Let's get out the emojis. Ah, devastated to see so many crashes, the likes of Menkes out of the race. But whew, what a relief when we saw riders rejoin the peloton like Jay Vine. Gave us a scare there. Starry-eyed, 
Absolutely. So many stars of this show, like pretty much all of Intermarche Wanty with their firm grip on that red jersey until odd Christian Iking was dethroned. Oh, Fabio Jakobsen, what a star. And let's not forget the most unique rider in the peloton, Magnus Unicorn Nelson. <laughs> Three stage wins. Amazing. Bromances. Seen a few, probably not Egan Bernal and Adam Yates. I know that Bernal's wearing a white jersey, but you guys are on the same team. No, I'm thinking more of Jack Haig and Gino Madeira working so well together. Is it too soon to talk about a backpacking holiday? Hmm. Mind absolutely blown. We're not surprised when we saw Roglic take out his rivals in as soon as he saw a mountain, but it's not over yet. Perplexed, yes. Sometimes things happen, like when Lander attacked and then just went missing out of the race. Hmm. Proud, absolutely. Ah, oh, 11 Australians are still in the race, which is no mean feat because one in five starters are no longer in the race. If you're still in the race, you want a participation trophy. Congrats. And I'm not really sure how I feel about this one. Bade and Stora from the same team. Oh, in King of the Mountains battle. Who will win? Oh, sorry, Bade. I hope they battle to the end because I love seeing climbers sprint. Oh, still some racing to go. I'm excited. And a word for Belinda. How do you decide Bade is the white balloon? I was going to say, she, How do you she deliberately this? planned yeah. that, mate. Don't you worry. I've seen well the done, Belinda. I've Very seen good. the rehearsal where the blue balloon went off and she still <laughs> said Bade. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> not true, not true. Uh, hey, um, we need to talk about the women's racing as well at the Vuelta. Yes. Second stage yesterday. Yeah, Gracie, leave it, lead us into it because it's been a pretty awesome couple of stages. And... Um, Marlene uh, Ruisa, I must say, I'm super impressed with her, but overnight, Annemiek, uh, no surprises, really. No, we have Annemiek showing her pre-Worlds form for the time trial. Um, she beat everyone, but she only beat Marlene Ruisa by 20 seconds. It was an uphill time trial, so a bit brutal for the average time trialist and for everyone else, it's really not that fun at all. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool to see Annemiek still on top, but it's also great to see, you know, the up-and-comer in, in Rosa who got the silver medal at the World Champions last year. Can't get my words out. And at the uh, Olympics, she got the silver medal as well. So she's definitely one to watch now. She's not under the radar anymore. And she's holding on to the leader's jersey for this tour because she got away on stage one, which was actually, you know, a bit of a surprise for her. She gave a really great post-race interview. And I guess she was a surprise winner for the day because we had a lot of top teams with a lot of top riders in there not getting into that break and not being able to pull it back. So she could walk away with this uh, tour win overall. She, um, she's something special, Grace, isn't she? She, that, and you're right, that post-race interview, Christoph, yeah, it was uh, when we saw it, it's possibly one of the best interviews I've seen all year. The fact that she thought she had a rest day after travelling, <laughs> only to be told that she was racing the next day, I thought that was just, it was so fresh and raw, which, which I loved. She's in the old money, and you two might be able to tell me this, she's 1 metre 80, so is she just six foot or just shy of? Yeah, it'd be about that. So yeah. she's, she's a pretty big girl like height wise she's not super skinny but she's like she's wow she must have some power and she she showed it in the tt as you say i mean anna meek is 
you know, she's the Olympic champ. She's she's just about the best in the world at that at the moment against the clock. But Marlene is um, she's stepping up, and it's just good to see new names. This is what I'm loving about the women's scene now. We we keep seeing new names pop up. Definitely. And one of another thing that I love about cycling, men's and women's cycling, is body shape doesn't necessarily dictate, you know, their performance and their abilities. So I love it when you have someone come along that doesn't look like they should be a time trialer. It doesn't look like they should be a climber or a sprinter and then they just come and flog everyone. So I think it's one of these beautiful sports where um, body isn't necessarily the most important thing. Um, she's super strong. She's put in the work. She must have an amazing engine. And yeah, you're right. It's really great to see new names popping up and we're seeing it more and more now. It's not just that top 10 or 20 riders winning everything. It's it's everyone's game and it's really exciting to see the, the fresh face young riders and old coming through yeah and so no i just want to say with what you said it's it's exactly that and i've always loved cycling for that doesn't matter what shape you are as in you can be tiny you can be look at caleb ewan yes he's he's built like a sprinter but she it's almost like because i was looking at her stats it's a little bit big mig miguel Indurain, the great spaniard who won five two as he was six foot two i think six foot two or three and he i think he won the tour at about 80 kilos Kilograms, which is sort of unheard of these days. So I still have a chance. I still have. <laughs> Age is not on your side, mate. Uh, yeah, well, that's yeah. the only thing. If you're a bit younger, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But no, it is cool. She's, um, yeah, she's impressed me the last couple of days. Did yeah. can she win it? Do you think she can win it overall? I think it'll be really difficult for them to um, take that red jersey off her. The the third stage is a bit of a classic stage, so it can be one for the breakaway. Um, some of the better climbers who can sprint will be in the mix trying to get a sprint, and the last stage is a sprint race. So there's really not that many more opportunities now for the climbers such as Anamique to take that time back. So I think she is going to walk away with the red jersey, and it's a world tour stage race. So that's a really big result for her. I'm really happy to see a name like that walk away with a big title like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Let's listen from the winner of the stage yesterday, Anamik Van Vluten. It's nice to win the stage, uh, nice to win the time trial on my Tokyo uh, time trial bike of Kenyon. So it was nice catch up again with my time trial bike uh, after a really nice uh, moments in Tokyo with this bike. Um, I chose for the time trial bike because I thought it was faster for me because also I train a lot on the time trial bike. Um, I'm not so sure. It was a little bit the same road bike or time trial bike, but still I was happy I was riding it and uh, yeah, happy to win. The classification is uh, difficult, but not impossible for you. Yeah, I know yes, after yesterday that it would be really diff uh, difficult if you give Marlon Roser, which is in a really good form, two minutes. Yeah, then it's, uh, it's really hard. But on the other hand, I'm super excited for tomorrow um, because in general, I don't like defending style of racing. I also struggle sometimes a little bit with uh, stage races because I have to defend. And in my heart, I'm not a defender, I'm an attacker. So I'm more a one day racer and I don't like to race conservative. And tomorrow I have nothing to lose and everything to win. And I hope other teams also think like that. So then uh, we are not going to uh, give it as a present as Marvin Roser, And I hope also that we can put up a good show for the people that are watching it, that it will be a super exciting race tomorrow because it has ingredients tomorrow to make it really hard for Marlon to take the win. 
Fighting uh, words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, two questions here. Uh, and Gracie, you wrote with, uh, with an amic. So how much does she love her time trial bike, uh, first of all? And secondly, she mentioned she's an aggressive rider and not a defensive rider. Uh, would you say that that's a, fair, that's a fair go? And how do you fit this in a team? Definitely. There was three things that I took away from what she said. Yes, she loves riding her time trial bike. She would ride it um, as much as it would make your eyes water. Um, two, she, yeah, she doesn't like to defend and I've definitely had to ride with her to defend many jerseys and, and that was a lot of hard work, but it, it paid off. And three, I've been in the position where we've been attacking together and that was actually worse than defending a jersey because having to match her attacks and stay with the groups that she's attacking is awful, but a lot of fun. So yes, it's completely true. She'll be attacking. She'll, she'll love that type of racing. Um, she will just be having fun out there. She, um, she's got some warts behind her so those attacks are going to be brutal and anyone that's going to go with her is going to suffer and i'm glad it's not me anymore <laughs> oh yeah she'll yeah it'll be a good stage and yeah. incidentally it is on demand tonight nine o'clock eastern uh so 9 p.m on the sbs on demand absolutely so that will be good and also in your news yes well well i'll tell you the men's as well while i'm on timings we are slightly earlier 10 30 on the tracker so 10.30 on the tracker tonight for the 20th stage of La Vuelta and 11 o'clock on Viceland and On Demand as well. So we've got you covered. You can watch yep. the women's straight into the men's. Oh, what else would you want to do? On a Saturday night, what Especially you Especially if do? you're in, in, <laughs> in, I think, I think 10 million people in the country are locked down. There's nothing yeah. else to do. <laughs> um, any other news you mentioned? Any other news? Speaking of Caleb Ewan, uh, he's back in the winner's circle. He just won the stage in the Benelux Tour. Sprint finish. So Caleb was back. His first win since crashing yep. out of the Tour de France. So this is significant for him. He goes to the Worlds. Remember, he's part of that squad. Might be an outside chance we get a world champion yep. uh, from the men in the Aussies. And Mitch Docker. Yeah, Mitch Docker. This is, this is unbelievable. Gracie, I don't know how many injuries you had. Maybe, maybe you can give us the, 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 um, the timelines here. He's fractured his elbow in Benelux, so he's had to go home. He's got about four or five weeks, I think, until Paris-Roubaix. Is it doable? If Matt Heyman did it, then I believe that Mitch Docker can do it. Um, and I think that Zwift will be a massive help for him. I was really sad to see that he crashed out. Um, you guys did a great um, podcast with him recently, and I was able to chat with him as well on his own podcast. He's such a nice guy. He works really hard, and I know he's really trying to make the most of his last few races as a professional rider. So that would have really hurt more than just the injury itself. But he's got that fire in his belly, and it's so special that he gets to finish his career with Paris-Roubaix and I, I know that he'll do everything possible to be on that start line and make it through that race as long as he can so you know you guys are the same as me we're big Mitch fans and we wish him all the best yeah yeah yeah, yeah let's hope so any any in his post actually he said oh well still time to come back looks like it could be a Heyman 2.0 <laughs> comeback and I said perfect ending then that's the that's the best we can wish yeah him. <laughs> let's hope so thank you Gracie for joining us today Thanks, guys. Nice to be here once again. Good to have you. See you, Gracie. And thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Look forward to, what are we, two more stages? Two more stages, yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Great.
This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. And uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, the podcast, same place, same time tomorrow. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsors with La Vuelta is all about climbing. So why not try Geraint Thomas's athlete workout? Fun is flying uphill. A great pillar of any climbing is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my mates the fitness I've been able to build at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Right on.